Hey, Mike. Hey, Colin. How are you doing? Are we recording? Yeah. Are we good? We're totally good. We're so okay. good. Good. So, uh, how was your how was your holidays? Uh, it was nice. It was, it was a nice time. A lot of uh, chilling and eating and stuff. How about mm. you? Good. Good. Now it's 2012. Back to the grind. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for 2012. It is. Uh, it, it is another year. Yeah. Good year for software. Yeah. Sure. What's new? Um, what are we doing this week? I don't know. There's, you know, it's a quiet time of year. Next week it'll be all crazy with the CES, which. Mike doesn't oh, seem to think is exciting. Won't. Oh, it's gonna be so awesome! There's gonna be like TVs in slightly so different many, sizes, and so many press releases, tablets of various qualities. A lot of iPad killers next week, yeah. and some Air, some MacBook Air killers. Yeah, Apple and, TV uh, killers. Yeah, maybe even some iPod killers. You never know. Mm, I thought the iPod was dead. Well, it will be after next week. Oh, uh, true. That's good, and then we'll never hear about any of them again. Yeah, well, that's sort of how this business works. Cool. Uh, Can't believe Apple doesn't go. I know, right? They could kill their own stuff. Hey, I'd rather kill it in house. There should be a good thing about killing babies. Like, I'd rather kill my own baby than have someone else do it. But that's not quite right. Uh, that's a that's a different Sophie's choice. If my baby's gonna die, I'd rather be the one with the knife. No, I don't. It's in there. I'm gonna find it. Yeah, you don't have a lot of kids, do you? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, remember Telestream? I do remember Telestream. Yeah. Too bad. What's your problem now? Telestream, they got bought by a private equity firm. Yeah, that seems strange to me. It's a weird deal. Like, it's one thing when uh, Blackmagic buys someone or Avid buys someone. It's pretty strange to see a a sort of niche company like Telestream being acquired by a uh, private equity firm. Not a small one either. No. Um, So what does it mean? Well, I've got to assume it means that someone who I mean because Telestream was a private company and this is a private private equity firm um, there are precious few details about the transaction and so we don't I don't really know much about Telestream's ownership up to this point but it sort of implies that someone wanted to cash out I think Um, yeah I mean they weren't small enough that they needed I mean maybe they needed the capital I guess it's hard to but if you need the capital, why not? I mean, they, they seem like they'd be big enough to to seek traditional, you know, bank loans or to look at going public or, you know, I mean, to it, seek VC. It's obviously or, a dumb idea to go public right now. Mm, People don't seem to be doing incredibly well with that. But they're not doing terribly badly either. I mean, yeah. I, it, it, um, I mean, Telestream is a company that I think we've both sort of you know they they they've done some good stuff they've always sort of lacked a uh, unifying vision um i don't think that's true i think they lacked a 
value add for you a unified value add for you but no i mean i think like at one point they put up a uh, they had a chart of all of their products that tried to explain how their products relate together and there were all these sort of products that just were floating off unrelated i mean like screen flow and you know for the longest time and even even till today they have sort of competing enterprise video compression pipeline technologies like engine and flip factory and yes that's true i mean it just it's always seemed a little bit strange and a little bit unfocused but on the other hand i like a lot of the stuff they've done they've done obviously i mean a lot of yeah their- i mean the strange thing with them is they've gotten themselves in a position where they've bought a bunch of you know they've bought themselves up and down market from where they started and i don't even remember what was their first their first thing was flip factory okay i believe because they I mean at least in that sphere and then they bought Popwire, right which, which brought them down market a little bit right and which then they brought built the episode, episode. well no episode well episode came out of Popwire. okay and it's still developed by the Popwire team in sweden right um, so I mean, and they did flip for Mac. I mean, that was probably my first encounter with them. Yeah, that's true. Which again is a sort of a weird, you know, obviously filled a a niche, but and then they, I guess they got Wirecast at the same time they bought ScreenFlow. I think those were both from Vera. Yep, those were both Vera. Um, and Screencast, another application I absolutely love, but no, Vera was was I think so. You might be right. They had the same looking icons. Yeah. Or did. Just strange. And, and you know, a private equity firm, you know, generally I don't think they're in the business of... Nurturing a company? Yeah, that's a good, good term mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it does seem strange to me. I don't know what the what the goals are here other than making money right Uh, well and i don't know what telestream's financials are like whether they've been a profitable firm or not um Um, i mean they're definitely not flailing that's always been my impression that they you know do okay for themselves i don't know i don't know i uh be very interesting to see how this plays out and see if this is a stepping stone on the way towards um you know them being resold or split up or i mean one thing is so let's just imagine for a minute that you're telestream and you got i mean they've got a lot of stuff they've got a lot of happy customers they've started towing with the hardware with the pipeline system which i I mean was a pretty nice niche product i don't think it ever went I don't know what their sales were like, but I don't think they were anything spectacular. It's certainly not the kind of device you see every time you get a tour of someplace. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think if they wanted to do that at a larger scale, you know, if they wanted to make a more, you know, broad appeal product, I don't, I mean, they don't really have, I think they went out of house to get that developed. All the hardware design and stuff was done on contract, is my understanding. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what would they... I mean, if you want to start doing more of that kind of stuff, they don't really have the infrastructure. They probably don't have the money to do that. I mean, making hardware is a lot more expensive than making software. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, upfront investment. I don't know. 
I mean, it seems like, I mean, one of the things that's kind of, that seems to be happening is a lot of people are starting to discount software more and more. And if you want to, you either need to be a small guy who competes just on, you know, the cost of your enterprise, or you need to be a big player who can make most of your money on hardware. Sure. So, I mean, you know, if Blackmagic gets into this, you know, the flip factory business, they don't have to really make much money off the product Yeah. <laughs> in the same way that Telestream does. I don't know. Yeah, I. Uh, That's really the only thing I can think of. Is they need they need some sort of big chunk of change to do. Yeah. Some or, crazy you know, new product, or they just wanted to get out. Yeah, or yeah. The, the but fun. I don't know anything about the like the corporate structure. I mean, I, there's not a Mister Telestream. No, no, it was a collection of sort of video industry people, I think, um, who are still there. I, I believe. Just looking at executive bios here, it looks like. Mm. Um, you know, it was, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to watch, watch what happens And this, this, the firm that brought, bought them as well is just, um, not a, not an equity firm that I'd been familiar with and they don't really have anything in the, in the video space per se. They've got a few things in the sort of security, you know, digital security space, but, right. uh, I don't see a lot of sort of synergies there with, um, other products within this this larger organization so uh, I don't know yeah I mean this seems like one of the things where I don't know what what could make enough money for a private equity firm yeah I mean only doing something like YouTube I wonder that's really the only thing I can see them looking at is like some sort of large video deployment sort of where else is there a lot of growth right now? Well, what, abroad you know, and web delivery. You know, one thing I wonder is, does Telestream have any sort of meaningful patent library? Hmm, could be. And that's the kind of thing that you can see a private equity firm. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is on the list here? Uh, Magic Lantern, new firmware. Yeah, this has a so Magic Lantern. For those who might not be familiar, um, is a family of hacked or modified firmwares. Um, I think exclusively for the Canon digital SLR cameras. I'm not sure. I if believe they, so. Yeah. I don't think they do any others. Um, and. They've been around for quite a few years now, um, initially focused on sort of adding, bringing f- features down market. So things, you know, focus features and other things that were only available in the high end Canon DLSLRs, bringing them down to lower end ones. And then um, as video became more possible on DSLRs, adding things like audio meters and, you know, enhanced controls for doing things during recording and a variety of things. And there's a, there's a lot of people who've um, run those firmwares at one point or another. And I think, you know, it's really pushed Canon to add features to the official firmwares that wouldn't have been added otherwise. So anyways, they, they released a new firmware that has a pretty interesting hack for doing um, 
DSLR or uh, HDR video. Have you looked at this? I've looked at, I've just sort of read some of the stuff and I looked at their site. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, it's an, you know, it's, so the idea is HDR, you end up, you know, traditionally for photography, you take multiple frame, you know, multiple shots in sequential order of different exposures. And then later you combine them together in, you sort of post-process them to get a single image out of it. And so what this does is it, it you know, so that's always been kind of hard to do in video because you can't... Because time keeps moving on. Right, time keeps moving on and you actually care about time because you're capturing that. And so what this does is it alternates frames. Each frame, even or odd, has a different exposure. So it's like underexposed, overexposed, underexposed, overexposed, underexposed. And it, and it does that by varying the ISO, which I think is clever and is a... a you know, a neat thing that you get by virtue of um, being on the, the DSLR like this, um, because one of the issues with video is is if you well with HDR in general is that if you combine two frames uh, with different f-stops, you're going to have different depths of field. And if well, you, no one does. No, I mean, none of the systems do that, do they? They all bracket yeah. ISO. No. Really? No. At least my you know my last DSLR didn't. It had a built-in HDR setting, and it bracketed based well, on that. It had exposure bracketing, and right. it would vary based on you know other settings. But yeah, it was. Mm. It, I, I don't think it ever changed ISO. It would change shutter speed and and uh, f-stop. Anyways, to, to finish that thought, then you know, um, changing based on, I um, shutter speed is going to change the look of any motion blur. Objects, you yeah. know. Um, so doing it based on ISO and leaving the other settings fixed is pretty pretty cool. Um, and then, so basically, if you if they're shooting thirty frames a second, um, what they shoot is um, fifteen. You know, first frames overexposed, second frames underexposed, third frames overexposed, and then I think they have software or they will have software to break that apart and do essentially two fifteen frames a second. Uh, streams and then combine it back together with interpolation yeah i mean i think they do that all in one step but um yeah they, I, I mean from looking they somebody had some software i don't know if it's official or if it's just something in the forums right now but there is a way to recombine it into an image yeah um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting um I mean, it's it's definitely you know in the hack realm, and yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how the interpolation works. Um, you know, I can see cases where that might cause some issues. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it'd be safe, relatively safe. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um. You know, it's. I mean, yeah. If you. If you have something like a strobe, right, or some sort of light that's flashing on and off, that would cause problems, right? Yeah, it's going to be stuff like that, or or motion that just you know gets sort of yeah confused by the yeah. But it's 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 a neat it's 
a neat idea. Right. I mean, it's the kind of thing that Canon would never ship in a camera. Absolutely. So you know, that's where, I, you know, that's what I think is interesting about these sort of things more than. You know, it's one thing to like try to buy a cheaper camera. That's great and all, but it's not really pushing the industry anywhere. Right. But this is like this is the sort of thing that you know was never it's it's too much of a hack to ever ship as a product. Right. Which is what you want out of free hacks. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure how um you know what the sort of dynamic range they end up with compares to for example, what you get on a higher end, you know, chip now, like on a C three hundred or something. Um, I just I don't I don't have any sense of how they compare. I don't either. Because I, I kind of feel like you know, there's this difference between so HDR for a lot of people means the sort of ultra surreal look that you see on Flickr, you know, in in the HDR groups. Right. Um. And so when you talk about HDR video, you know, people are sort of surprised when that's not what you're getting. And, and people have done experiments where you're sort of getting that. Where, but, um, you know, the reality when video people talk about HDR is really just, you know, having wider exposure latitude, um, you know, not clipping your whites and not totally losing all your detail in your blacks. Um, right. And, 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 and I think that's what the Magic Lantern people are getting at as well. It didn't seem like they were trying to use this to create that sort of... Um, surreal effect yeah that stuff looks so gross i mean it can look cool occasionally a few years ago but um no i agree i i agree it i like it i like my luma to actually follow a straight line or a curve line (laughs) not to like roller coaster around yeah um so in any case yeah so you know this is a way to make a lower end chip have a wider exposure latitude which is really what we want in hdr but i think it creates some confusion for people when they look at the finished product and say that doesn't look like hdr right um so So how long you think it'll be before someone makes this makes an app for the iphone i don't know i'm kind of surprised it didn't go there first yeah, I mean, um, obviously, Apple's got HDR mode and for stills on the iPhone 4 and 4S. Um, but, yeah, I haven't seen any video, it, and I'm not sure. I haven't looked close enough. I mean, you might not be able... I don't know if you can actually muck with ISO. You can muck with exposure, but I don't think it breaks it out. Right. That so, would, yeah, I would suspect that's... You might seek around too much. Yeah. And it may, and then the exposure just may not be able to change fast enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what the implications of changing it every frame are on the the Canon camera. Mm. I don't know. I mean, because that's a ISO on these chips. I think is is a physical amplifier, right? Mm, I think it's a product of the ADC, the analog to digital conversion right. off the CMOS. Okay. But nonetheless, it doesn't. You know, I don't think anyone designed it with the idea that it needed to change. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Or that at. it needed it, to sync with frames or that it needed to do. Right, it's not a purely digital sort of thing. It's Right. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever hacked any of your cameras? 
Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, with, with some video cameras, I've, you know, put on sort of semi-official firmwares, but I've never used any of these uh, community-created firmwares. Mm. Our friend Matt, I know, has played around a lot with, what's the, uh, what's the one where you can run, like, Lua on your Canon? Oh, yeah. I think that, is that from these Magic Lantern guys as well? I don't know. Or I, uh, there's, there's one other one, I guess, that, yeah. Yeah, you can run a little scripting language on the camera. You can run Doom on your camera, I think. Oh, great. That's useful. Well. Um, I don't know. Um, and then, obviously, the, the other big, you know, hacking group is uh, around the Canon, or the Panasonic GH1 and GH2 cameras. Uh, where they've really focused, I think, more than focusing on some of the image stuff like the Canon people have, they've focused on the video side on the uh, compression and encoding. And so, like, a hacked GH2 can run um, an uh, intraframe codec at, like, 100 megabits a second, 422. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It would be, uh, I don't know. I wonder how much of that will make it. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you're never. I don't know. It's interesting, I guess. I mean, honestly, like I've watched a lot of the the tests um, from those hack GH2s, and uh, Phil Bloom just did one this last week. His sort of Christmas shootout um, that included a hacked GH2 among many other cameras. I haven't really. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean the they problem look nice, is, but they haven't looked that much nicer than the 24 megabit stuff that we see all the time off those cameras. Right. I mean, the problem with it, you know, people seem to think that, like, there's, like, you know, there's a bunch of people sitting around designing these cameras in isolation, and everybody, like, is trying to make the best camera possible with cost being no option and then like at the last minute Canon's like no we can't release that we'll lose money on our high-end cameras turn down the quality you know like it's made by you know like everybody has a price point to hit and the codec is not the limitation I mean once they set what their format's going to be they throw away every bit of cost that they can that doesn't affect you know like if you know you're going into 24 megabit H, you know, H.264, you don't need as nice of a lens. Right. And I guarantee they're not throwing the best lens on there if they don't have to. Right. And, I mean, everyone seems to think, like, oh, yeah, the only problem is we throw away all the quality right at the last minute for yeah. no reason because we're greedy. Well, that's the same thing that we see in, in the automotive world, you know, people hacking the computers on their cars and, you know, getting a little bit more power. But, you know, the car one was not designed to sort of run reliably necessarily, but it's also that, you know, everything else around it wasn't designed to take advantage of that power. Right. So. Mm. Yeah, they're interesting. I don't know. I'm more interested in these, like, playing around with stuff. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's really cool that, you know, to see what happens. And, and the nice thing about... A DSLR is that even if, in the sort of worst case, you break your camera, it's not the end of the world um, compared to, you know, breaking your red or something. True.
So is there? You're very noisy over there today. Sorry, I've got a lot of things on my desk. I need to clean it up. Yeah, you do. You want a minute? You wanna? wanna play I a didn't little, say I was gonna clean it up. Gonna play a little hold music and just said. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Our listeners will just have to suffer through. Ah. Uh, Oh my god, put the water away. I'm done, I'm done. I'm fully hydrated now. Okay, so, um, Buna Murray, this is the other big piece of news. They're, uh, they're leaving Final Cut Pro. They're going all avid. Mm, tragedy. So for people who don't remember, Buna Murray is the makers of don't they a make- large portion of schlocky reality tv yeah i was gonna say they don't really make things to be proud of right well they do yeah they i mean they're they do all the like mtv reality tv type stuff right so not the like bottom of the barrel you know reality tv but the you know the like heavily obviously produced you know throw a bunch of people in the house sort of thing um, and they're, they were like a really big win back in the day for Final Cut. They went all Final Cut, all X-Raid, big old XAN install. Um, and Apple used them a lot for press. Yeah. And they were, I know they were included in the Final Cut Pro X betas and such. Oh, that's right, they, they were. saw it and they... Um, they were even somewhat glowing about it, um, but careful not to say they were going to use it. <laughs> and now we know they're not going to. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like Avid took advantage of the situation and offered them a giant pile of free or heavily discounted hardware and software. So they're going ISIS and they're going Avid and they're going... Yeah, soup to nuts. Soup to nuts. So everything with an Apple logo is getting tossed. and I mean, it's going to have an Avid logo now. Right, right. Well, I think... You think they're going to go PC? I don't know. If you really want to run Avid, you should. Yeah. It's it's quite a bit better. Yeah. I don't know. In any case, I mean, you know, it makes a lot of sense, especially given their workflows. Um... The sort of avid multi-user, multi-system workflow is mm-hmm. better. I mean, you know, it's always been better. Even with you know, Final Cut Server and um, Final Cut Seven, it was never that great um, compared well, to what you can get with ISIS and uh, Unity and all that. Yeah, I mean, they're different. They're, yeah, but I mean, if you're if you're this type of organization and the type of editing they do, I. It, I don't know. It seems like the Avid product portfolio is much better suited to this type of use. And especially, you know, the the market for this kind of thing around Final Cut X is very nascent. Obviously, you've got Cat TV and a few of the others, but they're... Yeah, there's nothing like this for... I mean... Right. I mean, obviously, you know... Because their big problem, they... I mean... So when you're cutting those kind of shows, the big things you need is you have way too much for shooting ratios. 
Mm-hmm. Although theirs are scripted enough that they're probably not too bad. I mean, they've got too many cameras, but they don't have too many hours of, you know, they're not finding stories, they're right. making them. Right. Um, and you're usually not giving people enough time. So, you know, I don't know, I you know I've never worked for them in specific, but um, in that part of the industry, it tends to be you throw people at projects, not time. And so you have two editors cutting a half hour instead of giving that person, you know, so you do it in two weeks instead of having one guy do it in six. Right. Um, and so being able to switch back and forth is, you know, is useful and having, you know, the ability to trade assets and whatnot, but it's not, I mean, most people tend to do it by act or something. Sure. Um, so it's not uncommon to, you know, have two people working until the last week and then just have one person copy and paste right. whole acts in. But even that kind of workflow is trickier in Final Cut X than it would in be. X, yeah, yeah, definitely. But it wasn't horrible in Final Cut Pro. No. Um, but obviously, and obviously, Buna Murray's not basing this decision solely on where the market is today, but where the market's going to be for the next, I mean, five, ten years. I don't know what kind of horizon they evaluated on, but minimum five years, I would say. Right. And I'm uh, sure Avid made them a deal that would have been very hard to pass up. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, I mean, I guess I would be curious to know, and, and maybe we'll sort of hear this one way or the other, whether Apple was really involved in any sort of serious bidding process or... I don't know. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, that's yeah, that's what's interesting is I don't know how much they even do on the right. A few a few years the ago, side, they would have they been used to have like sales people. Yeah. yeah. Um, bending over backwards for some of these deals. So instead of waiting for them to walk into the Apple Store. Yeah. So the should have stopped by the Genius Bar. We wouldn't have told you all about it. Yeah, it'll be curious. Um, I would imagine by the time we get to NAB, we'll probably have or at least heard unofficially what the, the background story is. But uh, um, yeah, you know, interesting. Interesting to see where all these things are going. Um, you know, hopefully we'll see a Final Cut X update in the next couple months here, and that'll give us some better sense of where Apple's going. Yeah. I mean, I think so. This is this is like the poster child example of why people said Apple should have just, you know, it seems like they couldn't abide the fact that they had a a prosumer or a consumer app that was more technically advanced than their professional app. I mean, that's really the only reason why it's the big reason to kill off Final Cut Seven and Go X, right? Instead of just making, you know, continually upgrading iMovie until it won. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just seems like... I don't know. Maybe they don't need, maybe they don't need you know, the high-end clients to sell the app anymore. Right. Well, but I, I think they also took a perspective that they you know, grew Final Cut from nothing to dominating the industry over 10 years. Right. You know, even if they have to start over and they're not starting from square one, you know, if they build a superior product, it doesn't matter if you move the pros over right away because you'll you'll get amateurs on and they'll become the pros. 
which is what happened with Final Cut. Yeah. I don't know if they can do it again. Do you think they could? I don't know. I mean, I think if they, you know, keep innovating on Final Cut X, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of sort of high school, college students doing interesting things with it and smaller shops and, and people who are, you know, part-time video people who can go to the app store and get it for for 300 bucks and it's easier and it's faster and all these other things. Um, and, you know, it'll permeate out from there. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think the one big win was they and so for a long time Avid was the only thing you ever used like it just didn't matter like you either could afford Avid and you used it or you couldn't afford Avid and you rented it or you couldn't afford to rent Avid and so you didn't work in TV mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean those weren't the three options like you didn't I mean people say they cut their movies on Premiere but no one cut their movies on Premiere right um and then Final Cut came along, and it seems like people did the same sort of thing. They were like, oh, my God, we have to use Final Cut. We use Final Cut. This is a Final Cut house. Um, and if anything's happened in the last year, it seems like this time when, when everyone decided they can't, you know, they can't abide Final Cut Pro X, it wasn't like a, oh, my God, we need to figure out what, is our holy grail now everyone just kind of said like man i'm gonna try everything and you know i might get all of them you know so like the prices have been driven down enough now that you can have more than one app in-house the most of the hardware you know the hardware used to be the thing that really locked you in you know you couldn't do some projects on avid and some projects on premiere because you had to pay all the damn money for scuzzy drives from avid Right. So at that point, like you might as well, you know, you need to bill out that room at a hundred and seven hundred dollars an hour, you know, or you're going to lose money. So I don't know. It seems like now, I mean, if nothing else, they left, you know, the way they left the market with Final Cut Pro Seven is more tenable to people you know, just picking up X for a single project when it makes more sense than it ever was before. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think they'll ever go, they're never going to get back to the place they were where they were like, you know, the major player for a while there. Sure. Just because one, Avid's actually caught up on pricing and support and a number of other things. And so, you know, it's just not prohibitively expensive to not want one system. Yeah, and the market's fragmented enough that especially if you're a post house or a finishing house, like you can't only take one set of clients. And everything's been driven down market so much that most people want to start things and dick around at home for a while before they come in and hire a pro. So you got to open whatever you know hideous project they've managed to assemble. I don't know. It seems like yeah. Yeah. It's a different world. Yeah. When I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, but no one cuts tape to tape anymore. I know. That's why I miss it. The quality was so good. It was good.
Uh, what else we got this week? Anything else on Final Cut? No. Not really. It's been pretty quiet. Make up for it next week with uh, all that CES stuff. Oh my god, there's so much thinner. Look at the bezel. Look at the bezel. Oh man, it's gonna be so hot. Mm-hmm. How big is CES anymore? It's huge. I think it's the biggest show. No, because it used to not even be big enough to have all of the convention center, right? It's huge. I don't know when that would have been. It's huge. Didn't, wasn't CES the one that split the convention center with the porn convention? Mm, was that mm-hmm. CES or was that uh, the gaming one? No, I think it was CES. It was CES was just middle. It was just center and south. And the, yeah, and, and then was north, north was porn. Hmm. So yeah, so it was never that big. I don't know. I think it's bigger than NAB though. Not for square footage. I think this year it is. Oh, cool. I don't know. Great. I'm glad everyone's, you know. There's a lot of TVs, man. I know. It's good. I need a new one. Let's see. Floor plan. View the interactive floor plan. I wonder if this will be as good as NAB's. I bet it will be. Whoa. Is it in 3D? It's sponsored by Panasonic. It's very sponsored by Panasonic. Is it in 3D, though? All right. <laughs> so Central Hall, North Hall, South. What's in Central? Or in North? Let's see. Yeah, no, they are fully populating every square foot of the convention center. Huh. Holy shit. Cool. Wow. And they've got the... Yeah, they've got a fairly good chunk of the Hilton, too. Hmm. Well, like, same size, then. Square footage was. I don't know. Good for them. Let's go. I don't have any desire. I live in San Francisco. We have lots of Asian girls here. (laughs) And that's where the episode ends. (laughs) Just trade shows in general are horrible, but CES just looks like a giant bunch of, like, Asian strippers standing next to boring... You're thinking of the gaming convention. No, I'm not. It's like Asian girls in mini skirts standing next to a TV with a picture of a flower on it all week. That's all it is. That's all NAB is. Yeah, I don't really like NAB either. True. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind like sitting in the booth and talking to people, but I don't walk around a lot and get flyers from people. What would you do? <laughs> oh my God, this TV looks really good. Can I get a can I get a brochure? Oh, I'd love to give you my information. Email me about this TV when it comes out. Well, it's not it's not supposed to be like for consumers to go to. Yeah, but you, so they don't email you? Well, no, but they email you about like carrying their product in your chain of regional electronics stores. I doubt that. Well, that's the idea of the show. No. It's a trade show. There's no idea behind it. It's just get together, hire a bunch of prostitutes, and put your shit on little pedestals. 
and then put out press releases on exactly the same day as everyone else in the industry because that's not gonna not work. Can we get rid of trade shows? Well, they're sort of taking care of that themselves as best as I can tell, but... It's the biggest year ever for CES. So yeah, exciting. But, Look at how big it is. Yeah, but remember that 10 years ago, there were like four CESs, you know, there was Comdex and all these others, and there were two CESs too, weren't there? Wasn't there like a CES and then a CES East? And Ugh, I don't know. There's got to be a better way. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if we're going to NAB this year. <sighs> Just seems like... I don't know. Yeah. There must be a better way to meet people. E-harmony? Oh, and customers. <laughs> oh. Small independent software firm seeking committed relationship with video engineers. I don't know if they look there. Well, they do, but maybe not for transcoding software yeah i know it would work adwords adwords that's a way to meet customers yeah i hear okay how many seo experts does it take to screw in a light bulb light bulb light sex with lights (laughs) (laughs) hey if you saw the roi on sex with lights that is both an affordable keyword and very profitable. Yeah. Okay, let's can I, let's leave these poor people to their not listening to us. I'll talk to you next week. Wait, we're not doing chatter? What's your chatter? Oh yeah, my chatter. What's your thing. Jeez. Um I have an article from Security Week about um the Stuxnet worm, which if you don't really recall was the one that infested the SCADA systems at the Iranian nuclear facility last year. Um SCADA to break them scatter hacking is so cool and um so there's an article about how um stuxnet and another worm called dooku um are appear to have been developed using the same sort of malware development framework um by some unknown entity uh, mossad and um it's an interesting article about the uh, development behind these worms what's dooku I don't know. It's some other worm that was doing something else bad. I don't remember. Oh, interesting. It's a nice mouse you got. Sounds confident. You think I should get a magic trackpad? Something quiet, yeah. I should have gotten one last year before it became the next year. Mmm, true. <laughs> so anyways, my chatter is a... I, know, I got a link here to just one video, but it's a guy on Vimeo who's been doing a bunch of stuff in Blender with face tracking and sort of digital makeup and effects for faces. Um, it's some neat stuff. I don't think it's anything like groundbreaking, but you know, doing it at home for cheap. Um, he's able to get some pretty nice effects. Um, just basically, you know, painting a couple tracking points on his face and then 
yeah, I watched this. This was surprisingly uh, surprisingly good. I yeah, mean, it's like you know, it's like it's definitely TV sci-fi level. Probably with a little bit of work, could be movie level. Yeah, or you know, just better plates to start with. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's convincing. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how long before it makes it into iChat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That way you could work from home, telecommute, and not even have to do your hair and makeup. (laughs) I'm digging this. We could all just like, and you could like have it slimy and stuff. You just stay at home, eat potato chips all day, and all of your, like, as long as you only talk to people through the internet, they would never know that you had like gained weight and never cut your hair. This is great. This would be mm. just like uh, this is like the future right here. Yeah, it's like who needs second life when you can just uh, make yourself an avatar. Yes. Now we're talking. See, I can this make, is the plan. Make myself a uh, flying penis. Okay, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>